Welcome to Chasing Creativity. I'm Kiran Mandral. I'm a writer and an author and I thrive on creativity. In today's episode, we have with us Gayatri. Gayatri is a dear friend, an ex-journalist and author of both fiction and non-fiction and currently a practicing therapist trained in counseling psychology as well as applied Buddhist psychology. Welcome to Chasing Creativity, Gayatri. Gayatri, it's so good to be chatting with you and you know I have admired how you reinvented yourself completely. I mean, from writing and journalism to therapy, counseling and now Buddhism. What made you take this shift? Thank you so much for having me, Kiran. I am your biggest fan because not even just, I know you've been more in the public eye recently, you know, over the past couple of years since you've uh, become an author. But I have been following your work since Sunday Review. Oh, mother of Christ. It was when dinosaurs <laughs> roamed the earth. I was a mini dinosaur. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you've been a senior in, in journalism, wrote one of the first detective novels for lovely women. And it's just been a fun thing, just, you know, following your work. So it's my privilege and honor to be here. Thank you for having me. And I have great admiration for you too. So thank you so much. It's been a journey. But what made you shift to counseling and therapy? In the sense, I know it is uh, being a journalist is a job where you often have to confront different aspects of your personality. There are things that, you know, you may not agree with or not feel comfortable about and you're constantly in conflict with yourself. Going into therapy and learning and retraining at a late stage in your career, that was quite a challenge. That was a brave decision. So did you ever feel that, what am I doing? Why am I getting into this? So I, what I did feel was, I wonder if I'll be accepted, you know, whether people will accept me as a student. In many of the classes, I've been older than the teacher. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so I've been older than all my classmates. So just to jump back a little bit, I wanted to leave journalism for a while. But I also knew that I would never be one of those PR corporate communication uh, transitions. I would never be able to make that simply because <laughs> I have no practice of being polite and, and not saying what I think. And that just does not work. Um, you've got to have a really strong filter in those positions, which I have. I have none, as anyone who knows me knows. So uh, it was a dilemma. It was where would I go? Where would I go? And uh, I went into a Vipassana course. I was with Hindustan Times at that time. It was in many senses a dream job because I was given a free hand. I was told to travel across the country. All you have to do is write four stories a week. And this is the kind of freedom, you know, with an editor whom you trust and who trusts you was earning well enough. I was reporting to people I liked and respected. And it's when you hit that point of you've got that dream job now and suddenly that satisfaction isn't what you thought it would be. Is this it? You know, I was traveling. I went through Jharkhand, Bihar. I went to the south. I was working. I tried to do more meaningful work in Gujarat with nomads. I started covering the nomadic tribes, doing things that I thought would help people. I covered student suicides in Telangana. Yeah, that was a good uh, series. Yeah, and then I, I covered uh, drunkenness in parts of uh, Karnataka, you know, where people, where young people were sort of uh, becoming addicts. And everywhere I went, people would ask me when I finished sort of collecting my data for the story that now you're writing the story, is it going to help us? That's a very important 
you know so you have people with uh, who are underprivileged who have very little resources believing that if this story comes out in the paper will is somebody going to help us now is is my life going to change mm-hmm. and i realized that at best i could say i i can write this but i can't do anything more and i felt the need to do something more so um i went into a vipassana course which is also something i'd been meaning to do for a very long time and when i came out of that course you know the 10 days there was just so much clarity and so much peace and so much direction that i came out feeling like i want to be able to do this for others but i also know that um, a lot of people don't have the time to go and spend 10 days in isolation somewhere and i realized that a lot of the answers that people needed were not external they were internal and if i had to help people find that then i had to retrain um also because i don't believe solely that meditation alone is going to help you also need therapy because there are a lot of people who come into meditation immerse themselves and find themselves very at sea because of the pace at which things come up so the mind is if you have a lot of trauma sort of buried the mind sort of shuts down instead of opening up so you need a therapeutic process that will help people open to the benefit of meditation a bit more gradually so then i quit my job i applied for zaviers in fact i spoke to her just a couple of days back it's only because of one woman my professor sujata ibrahim who took a chance on me and she said uh, they were zaviers only accepts 25 people and she said i have one seat left for you and i had booked my ticket to go down south and to sort of uh, study at the aurobindo institute of psychology which was the only other place that combined meditation and psychology so i got into zaviers i did my diploma in counseling psychology and uh, it went on from there <laughs> so after you trained in psychology you got your diploma you also trained more in buddhism and you also studied a lot i mean and now you're going to study further so could you tell us a bit about how that part of your journey came about I think a lot of this has been the uh, waves of chance. When I was studying at Xavier's, we had all started applying to because there were people who had already had their masters and I don't have a masters in psychology, my masters is in English literature. So I applied for my masters in psychology. I had admission into NYU. Okay. Uh, applied psychology and the pandemic struck. So my oh. plan at that point was to sell my house, use the money to go to the US and you know part funding this that and sort of do my masters and the pandemic struck and it was no longer wise to sell my house at that point because you know in the early year of 2020 we didn't exactly know when this would end or what life would be like so it didn't seem wise to take a risk the only thing i could do was begin practicing from home where i was offering a lot of voluntary sessions through you know zoom and stuff like that and there was the first four months i think i did at least 240 sessions in the first four months which was around 60 sessions a month That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. People were completely in panic because nobody knew what was happening, and rightly so. And uh, somebody then put me onto this course, which was happening out of Pune, which was being conducted online. And she's the second most fortunate teacher that I am um, so glad to have met, Asha Pillai Balsara. She is, I think, anybody who begins to learn Buddhism must learn from her. 
she is very wise she is very calm she is very practical uh, and she did this course in which 25 of us or so were logging on from different parts of the country and that kind of sustained us through the year and i realized that because of the vipassana practice which was already an entry into buddhism vipassana stiravda and this what i was learning was mahayana which is a different sect of buddhism it is the middle path madhyamika okay because of these two my grounding was so balanced my uh, perspective that my teachers were giving me was so balanced that i didn't really feel the fear that a lot of my clients were feeling a lot of people mm-hmm. who were coming to me were feeling at one point i thought i thought something was wrong with me i remember asking one of my teachers tens in palmo uh we had a guest session with her and i said is something wrong with me i'm not feeling this fear of death mm-hmm. you know um in the middle of the pandemic and people around us were dying like left right and center those were terrifying times i think we've forgotten them they were quite terrifying times yes. blank them out of our we collective have. consciousness we have and she said a very wonderful thing to me she said you know all of us are in the same sea some of us have found a raft or a boat and those of us who have managed to haul ourselves onto this boat need to use compassion to pull people out of the water you don't have to be in the water to help people you can be in the boat but you have to use your compassion to lean back in and start pulling people out so these were the kinds of lessons that buddhism was giving me at this time so you know letting go of admissions and stuff like that one not it wasn't so um difficult a choice so that prompted you to get on your spiritual journey that prompted me to give up the quest for this western masters okay and so i went on to do i finished my course with asha which was the uh, a course in applied buddhist psychology i had deferred nyu but then i declined it then i did a one year diploma in buddhist philosophy from the tibet house which is under his holiness the dalai lama and from this year obviously no last year <laughs> which year to <are> be <laughs> 2022 i began my five year masters in buddhist philosophy which is where i am now and i'm going to mysore i'm moving out of bombay as you know and i'll be studying uh, ashtanga yoga for as long as they'll teach me <laughs> wonderful that's so wonderful and all the very best to your efforts thank you thank it's you it's immensely so much. brave and it's very inspiring to know that you're retraining and relearning so many different things and wonderful things thank you thank you that's so encouraging now i'm going to get back to creativity i it is creative your journey itself is creative you've reinvented yourself what could be more creative than that but uh, as a journalist who wrote a lot of non fiction as somebody who wrote who me poor then you went on to write anithya you wrote indigenous but you also wrote a wonderful fantasy shambhu model which i love mm. and now you've written uh, devi and the B- battle of megadhanush which is also fiction you have fiction coming up ila's unfinished business somebody who has written both fiction and non fiction what are the different processes you think in writing both as a person something that needs to be creative as something that needs to be practical and grounded in facts and information Well, firstly that's such a great question and thank you for you know actually reading and knowing the things i've written because i'd forgotten about shambhu emotion <laughs> so <laughs> uh 
thank you for reading that and i remember you know you had uh, some very kind and generous words to say about it when it came out so thank you for that the creativity in non fiction i think is very different from fiction as you would know you've you've written so much yourself you know we are all just following the path that you have carved but i think in non fiction there is a lot of creativity in in construction in how you perceive the flow Mm-hmm. so technically anitya would be non fiction humiko would be non fiction but they are i feel the creativity there is in being led by the voices of those who participate in those books my non fiction in particular has been very led by voices i tend to put them not as quotes in part of the as part of the text but se- to separate them out because i feel that people and their lived experience and how they perceive their own struggles is uh, the greatest wisdom that we can gain and therefore to allow them to lead the narrative okay is the creativity i feel uh, in the sense of from a buddhist point of view exiting the narrative yourself where it's not led by you or your view in fiction I feel with all the books that I've been writing uh, and all of them pertain to the mind and all of them pertain to perspective and clarity of view because at some point I realized that if I'm putting a book out it has to help people in the what's today known as a mental health space but also broadly looking through the 2500 years of buddhism that we have had and uh, if you look at the buddha's work it's essentially mind studies uh he understands the layers of the mind so any work that i put out has to contribute to helping somebody see their mind more clearly that is my purpose in all my books so devi in the battle of meghatanish uses the navarasas to do that and the thing is i think we live in a land which is so rich in sources mm-hmm. that you can throw a stone and hit a source of inspiration you know in this country but we have to be willing to sit and listen and learn and uh, i think creativity comes when you push yourself out of the way when you're willing to receive not to give and that takes a lot of self knowledge as well doesn't it i mean to put yourself out of the way when you're writing when you're creating and to let as you just mentioned the flow take over and a lot of creators struggle with this of putting themselves out of the path of creation and letting the flow take over what should they do to make the process easier that's such a great question because we kind of look at the point where we get stuck in creativity is when we look at ourselves as the doers mm-hmm. and we're trying to gather from our experience and say this is my basket and what can i put out from it whereas in my opinion creativity is when you get you empty the basket okay okay you empty the basket and you say okay now this is empty what can i get okay mm-hmm. what can i download what can i receive and when you go to the stillness because when you are trying to do mm. when you're trying to do from what you have your resource pool is very limited and you have already processed those things in a specific way so only that way is open to you okay let's say for instance i've used the color red and i've used the same specific 
इट मीन्स समथिंग टू मी इट कैन इफ़ यू आर फ्रॉम इंडिया और चाइना इट टिपिकली मीन्स ऑस्पिशियसनेस इट टिपिकली मीन्स देवी इट टिपिकली मीन्स सर्टन फ्लावर्स यू नो वी ऑल हैव अ स्पेसिफिक एसोसिएशन्स विथ वॉट द कलर रेड मीन्स और अ ब्राइट और यू नो समथिंग लाइक दैट सिंदूर therefore if i use the red i am drawing from that basket of associations mm-hmm. whereas if i say okay i don't want anything to do with what i already know what i want is the unknown and i sit in a space of stillness and i say let me just see i'm not specifically looking for red i don't have red on the brain and therefore if something in the space of my mind if i receive a visual stimulation or objects or ideas they may be red they may not be but they allow me to move into unassociated parts mm-hmm. and therefore my movement would be broader wider less specific to myself if that helps but that's so difficult to do gayatri <laughs> how do you take yourself and your associations out how do you do that is there any I wouldn't say meditation but there is there any way you can tell people that this is how you can be still this is how you can take yourself out this is how you can tap into what you don't associate with mm-hmm. because that's the only way from which you can break the old associations and create something new okay okay uh I will try not to be pedantic and say just sit in <laughs> shamata and be still but actually it is what i think what a lot of people don't understand is being still is actually simpler okay have you watched that k drama be melodramatic no i haven't okay so it's one of my favorite ones and okay. it's an old one okay and uh, i won't give away the plot too much because it really is one of my favorites so please do watch it there is a point at which the protagonist this young girl hmm she sits on a sofa and she doesn't know what to do she's a writer i think she's a screenwriter and so she just sits the whole day she's like, i'm not budging till the solution comes and uh, her boyfriend who also happens to be the producer is like but what are you doing and she's like, nothing i'm just sitting here she sits with her feet crossed and she sits on the sofa and then it comes to her so a lot of people don't realize it's actually simpler to be still mhm everybody even clients even in session even in therapy everybody wants to know what should i do for this what do i do don't do when you don't know what to do don't do how do you not do in a world that is constantly telling you to do ah uh, that's see to consume to read to do something to be productive refuse that is your power okay i this is something i love about teenagers okay <laughs> you know when a teenager has no power in the world because the parents decide everything the family decides everything you would know this best you've written the bible on it the only thing a teenager can do sometimes is say no so mm-hmm. they will very adamantly at that you say no you want to come for dinner no, no. what do you want for dinner no i don't care i'm not coming i'm not doing i'm just going to sit here shut the door sit inside okay what is a teenager doing when they do that they are taking their power back because they don't control anything in this world so what they control is their participation i would recommend a lot more people do that in life because do not do until you feel empowered when you do okay 
uh, a lot of us are reading things because it's on the bestseller list a lot of us are watching movies because they're releasing right now a lot of us are following things doing things saying things because it's done we are part of this wave and we're too afraid not to be we we change our cars based on what's hot right our phones and we think we have personality because we've spent okay some total of my car my phone my clothes my the things i've watched and the things i've read and the places i've traveled to this year so many lakhs and therefore now i'm it i'm cool i'm i'm with it you know i've i've done all the things i'm expected to do and then we have this feeling of emptiness how can our sources of inspiration be any different if all we're doing is being swept along with the tide so there is a need for people to stop and say no i'm not going to go off for my birthday because everybody goes to go off for their birthday or you know that's the place to go uh there are other vistas there are other hills there are other seas there are other thoughts and you won't find yours if you're following everybody else's so at some point you've got to stop and say no till i don't know what's coming out from me and what's uh in my perception and what makes sense to me i am not going to budge and um i think a, a lot of the problems of the world would be solved if we just stopped just sit just sit for like you know tw- if all you can do is 20 minutes in the morning do 20 minutes in the morning 20 minutes in the afternoon 20 minutes in the evening and you don't even have to do a guided meditation you don't have to you just need to sit i hope people are taking notes just sit still that sounds so simple but that is actually so difficult to do with the monkey mind isn't it you sit still and the mind is all over the place the mind is everywhere the mind's job is to dance <laughs> it will dance even when you sit still it will dance but you don't have to take your mind seriously just allow it to dance because what happens in the stillness is that when things settle some something forms you know a shape forms an idea forms a direction forms and we are not receptive to that formation because we're so panicky that we're missing the signals we're missing the cues we're missing the direction what do i have to look like i don't know what i'm doing so don't have to you just have to be in a receiver mode actually to be in a creator mode you have to be in a receiver mode that's very interesting can you tell me more about this being in a receiver mode the creator is the medium by which the world translates itself into a work of art so if you are doing you're interrupting the flow you're getting in the way because then you're saying let me translate this for you and the world is trying to tell you no just be here let me just pass through you it's like light that pra- passes through a prism you don't the prism doesn't have to do anything you just have to convey you will see the rainbow you know just the very fact that you're you're there in that time and place you have the consciousness you have the awareness you have the stillness to just hold the light is what allows it to translate if that prism starts dancing doing thinking being feeling and getting in the way the light is fractured stillness is what allows the light to pass through 
and you need to train yourself to be still and to let it pass through you yes and i that, feel that takes a lot of uh, obliterating of your own ego yes the ego is something that is uh, i think a lot of us have it uh, <laughs> <laughs> um the ego is a tough one because also especially in creation in creativity we want ownership of what we've created right it's absolutely ours. it's ours we've done it we've run the work yeah we've done the mehnat it's you know even my perspective if i'm writing a novel in which there's a lot of pain i'm also sort of catalyzing a lot of the pain that i may have felt or witnessed or seen or observed in life and i believe that that view is my view um but very often i find that expansion comes when you recognize that you're part of the pain of the world you're part of the wisdom of the world nothing that i know i know it was taught to me it was shown to me uh, i was given space whether it's counseling whether it's buddhism whether it is things my parents taught me how much of it did i create that wisdom exists in the world i happen to have received a, an admission a seat uh, got a conversation had a chance to be with friends like you so we can discuss and have resonance and some of your ideas have come to me and my ideas have come to you and therefore i know so what exactly do i know so what am i claiming so nothing that any of us are, it's it's passing through us because we're unique lenses and my experience of life is very different from your experience of life and the way we we so we're as unique as snowflakes or fingerprints or sorry <laughs> so you know the therefore the lens is unique but the wisdom is not mine it's just how i channel it out there the the structure of those words is unique because it comes from me and it carries a signature in itself of that perspective and that communication but the wisdom of the world is one and so i think that in itself is a humility to understand that we are a cog in this uh, giant network you know it's it's there's nothing that i'm giving you that i haven't been taught or conveyed through a master who knows it much much better than me so who am i to <laughs> you know that's a great realization to have and very few of us come to it i don't think most of us would reach it in a lifetime i think a lot of people are deeply humble a lot of great creators are deeply deeply humble um i meet people like that you know like all kinds of people every day i've sat behind ms subalakshmi okay uh when she was performing at a mandir once and she finished her singing and she came and she said we were students and we're sitting behind her and uh, we were all just in oh my god she's there like you know um and she turned around in in very simple tamil she asked i'm not obstructing your view no we were like please obstruct our view <laughs> you know we are watching you and if she's she's asking us whether she's interrupting our view of the performance the next performer and uh, this humility like the greatest artists have humility i think they see you know they sort of see who they that um raza i remember writing on meeting raza when i was writing for india today he couldn't walk he couldn't uh, he could barely speak he could 
he had to be carried into the room and he painted and he painted the first thing he did when he woke up in the morning and it was just um, he was a child with his art you know and that is a humility that the greatest artists have so is that important to be childlike when you're creating i think you become childlike mm-hmm. because you realize that you're in the presence of something much bigger than yourself and therefore you become the student therefore you become the learner and therefore you become the child of this world and nature and the universe because uh, we are so transient we are so you know we're just specks in this continuum of life what is the ego that we can have you know okay fine like i've put out four books how many people in this world have even heard of those books a much greater works of art a much greater authors that are going to last through time 2500 from years from now today when we when i'm sitting i'm learning something that the buddha taught 2500 years ago he was such a precise teacher that today the teacher who teaches me teaches it in the exact form that he taught it imagine the kind of teacher you have to be where uh, so there are 16 stages of anapanasati which is the basic meditation if you do the first the second follows if you do the second the third follows uh, so let's say you're on step 6 and it's not working for you that means you have to go back to step 5 and it correct it and it and step 7 will follow that precision okay in the presence of that kind of greatness <laughs> who am i in my books and what am i putting out you know is it going to last 10 years let alone 2000 most of our books end up in raddi most of our journalistic works end up in raddi our books too end up in scrap get pulped we make amazon bestseller <laughs> maybe once or twice in our lifetimes <laughs> that's about it lovely one final question a lot of creative people suffer from burnout and there is this pressure gayatri now in this entire creator economy to constantly be putting out new content new videos new books new articles that pressure to create is constant and naturally then there is burnout how do you recommend people deal with this burnout is a question that a lot of people ask about especially um even in the corporate world seems to be the element of our age and i find that most of the time burnout occurs when you are pacing yourself to somebody else's expectation of you and not to your expectation of yourself um you know for instance i remember shri aurobindo once had remarked you know somebody had asked him this question about vacations and burnout and he had said your heart doesn't need arrest the minute it takes a rest you're dead okay it performs at the same pace every single moment of your life so this this concept of burnout is a creation of the world we have created it's a by, it's a side effect it's a byproduct of the world not of our system it is not organic to us when a lot of people ask about burnout they're saying how do i keep up this unnatural pace and still not feel the effect upon myself and the answer to that is you cannot you have to understand that this is an unnatural pace that this is not the expectation of your life 
and that if you are swept by that wave and you perform to other people's expectations um you will burn out so you know see what you're doing to yourself and you have to at some point say what is enough what is enough for you do you want to write one great novel that will be remembered for time immemorial do you want to dance on the coals so these people will applaud and not remember you 10 years down the line i think we have to start asking what am i creating for myself what is my legacy um how do i want to be remembered and what do i want to put out into the world and why and not what what is the opportunity that's coming to me that's such a lovely thought i think we'll end with that lovely thought what is your legacy and that should be driving all your creativity thank you so much gayatri for taking time out for this it was a wonderful conversation very intense and lot of learnings from it and that's a wrap on this episode of chasing creativity follow me on my social media handles at kiran mandral and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts we are available on spotify binge pods apple podcasts and all the major platforms see you next week Thank you.